Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Jamie, and this is our From the Pasture with Hired Hand podcast. As the owners of Hired Hand website software, we've been developing websites and creating internet marketing strategies for livestock breeders for the past 10 years. The majority of our customers are involved in the breeding of registered animals, such as Texas Longhorns, Highland cattle, horses, and white-tailed deer, where the pedigrees are very important. The From the Pasture with Hired Ham podcast examines many of the differences in raising pedigreed livestock for maximum profit. Join us and learn what we're covering today. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so the Red Cola solo cut story. Um, when Toby Keith first came out with that song, all of us was somewhere at some sale having a large time, and Scott Shoemaker and myself got to sing in that song. So every time I would see Scott at the sale, I would get on the mic and go, Hey, Red Solo Cup, get your seat and get in here and buy some cows. <laughs> but the other one was when I started saying Heifer Baby, everybody was saying, Take a drink. And Rhonda Poe was a part of starting all that, and they all had Red Solo Cups. So that's, that's kind of how the Heifer Baby, Take a Drink. Bring in another one. Got all got started. Well, cheers to Scott and Rhonda then, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today, Dale. We appreciate it. You're welcome. So for those who maybe haven't heard, which I can't imagine everyone hasn't heard by now, I think it's trickled through the grapevine, but you're officially retired from reading pedigrees. I am done. All done. So 25 years and... I'm going to turn it over to Chase and these younger guys. So tell us what got you to that decision. Well, it's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, if, if you notice, I'm always at the sales at least three hours before they start, because I feel like that's my job to be there and, you know, to rep to, to give everybody a chance to corner me and tell me about your animal and, Give me the highlights. Let me get my, let me get my book prepared, and because I'm there, I'm on the block representing your cow. So I've always I've always tried to tried to do that so I could benefit the seller. And as you all know, I'm I I'm, I travel in my job, so sometimes I leave. I don't even go home. I leave Monday. I work all week. Then I go to the sale. Then it's after the sale on Saturday night or something before I get home. And then I have to do my home duties and my home ranching and then leave out again on Monday. <laughs> so this has been kind of been kind of tough schedule for for several years. But uh, it's a lot of work. And um, I just want to come to a sale and sit out there and have a cold beer with my friends and with Jennifer and and enjoy the sale. We don't blame you. We get that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if someone doesn't know what pedigree reading is. How would you explain it to them? Okay, so pedigree reader, it's your job to represent the animal uh, that's being sold at the time. So to highlight pedigrees, uh, ancestors, horn measurements, uh, service sires, to let everyone in the audience know and everybody online know why they should buy this cow. And to give the auctioneer a breather in between cows. So let's take it back to the very beginning, 25 years ago. How did you get started reading pedigrees? Gosh, that was, Jimmy, I was in my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Uh, 
I used to open gates. Molly, do you remember this? I used to open gates at the Fort Worth sale for Eddie. Yeah. When I say that, I'm talking about Will Rogers. Uh, we used to have three to 400 animals per sale, if you all can imagine that. In one day, three to 400 hit. So I, first of all, I could see real good. If you're opening the gates, you got the best seat in the house, right? You could really see the cows and I'd make a little money. So I wouldn't have to spend money just to go to the sales. And then Eddie saw how crazy, <clears throat> how crazy I was when I got to talking about pedigrees that, um, he said, why don't you come up here and do pedigrees for me? So I'm like, oh, I was scared to death of the microphone. So I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> anyway, that's how it got started. Eddie kept pushing me, um, came aboard and uh, started doing pedigrees with Eddie Wood. So at that point, how many years did you have Longhorns? Probably seven or eight years. Okay. I got my first, I went to the bank, took out a cow note. Uh, borrowed the money and bought my first cows in 1988. So just a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so what have, what have you learned since, since your first sale? If you fast forward to last weekend to the Boland sale, tell us everything you've learned between that first and last sale that can help others. Molly, that's a big gap. <laughs> <laughs> The horns sure got a lot bigger, right? They did, right? One, one thing I've learned is, one thing I've learned is, because uh, in the, when I started this, we had 60 inch cows and, and now we have 110 inch cows. So it's crazy, super crazy, crazy fun. I guess the one thing maybe I've learned is how awesome the Longhorn folks really are. Do you remember the first time you read Pedigrees? Like, were you like completely prepared? Were you nervous? I mean, what were you, what you remember that day? Yeah, I do, Jamie. It was, honestly, it was easier back then because you can't imagine how fast Eddie sell. If you got three or 400 hit, you, you didn't get a chance to think. It was, um, how far bred is she? What does she measure? One item, bam, seller. There wasn't- so there was there wasn't so take a break, come back, tell, talk some more, come back. Oh, no, that back in them days, that didn't happen. So there probably, it sounds like, wasn't as much talk about the pedigree then. It was mainly just the, the rough stats, and that's it. Yeah, and matter of fact, the, the catalog back then, Molly, you may remember some of these if you've looked through some old records and stuff. It was $100 to consign a cow, and you got two brackets. Um, I mean... You got the animal and then siren dam, siren dam. It was 125 if you got a black and white picture. And there was four or five cows down each page. So, you know, that it, there wasn't a lot to go on. You'd, you'd have exposure, Catholic side, whatever, and, and they sold them really fast. Do you think that pedigree reading kind of evolved because there's less animals in sales or because it became more important to educate potential buyers while they're in the ring, like because everyone's so busy with their schedules and stuff? I, I think um, the value of the animal went up so much. You know, back then, gang, there was so many. It, it just it's not like it is today. Back then. I could tell you, and I'm not exaggerating, I could tell you every single big time cow there was in the breed. 
today, oh my God, there's so many. It's unbelievable how many there are. So back then there was just a lot that was in this bracket. There was only a few up in here. Today, um, the sales that you all are putting on, that animal could be so valuable. That animal deserves a little more time and a little more recognition. All right. So when we, when Jamie and I came up with these questions, we're going to ask you, there's a couple of, couple of hard ones in here, a couple of quiz questions. And here's one of them. Are you ready? I, I hope so. <laughs> if you had to choose your top five favorite sales over the past 25 years, breeding pedigrees, which sales would they be and why? Okay. This is hard because you, you remember recent stuff a lot better than you remember something 35 or 25 years ago. Right? So let's see. Obviously, my first one's got to go there because that was a pretty big day the first time you do it. Obviously, my last one. Uh, I love Cindy's sale. To me, that was the perfect. First of all, if you're a pedigree reader, it's super easy to work for one person versus 25 consigners. And Cindy put together a great set of cattle. It's 10 times easier to sell the great ones than it is the mediocre cattle. So... I'm going to have to say the sale I went out on is going to be a favorite because it went 10000 and some odd dollar average, uh, only 60 head. Um, the Vegas sale, I think it was pretty cool to go to Las Vegas at Bill Hudson's sale and sell cows in one of the casinos. Wasn't that cool? That's uh, cool. The, the Fort Worth Cowtown sale. So I've got, I'm going to call this, I'm going to call both of these the same sale, but they're different. I got to sell or do pedigrees at Eddie's last sale that, the, that they let them do at the Fort Worth Stockyards, the original stockyards. And they gave the, the guys out back really loved Eddie, like everybody did. And they framed one of the gate latches, the board off the gate, and the original padlock with the old skeleton head key and presented wow. that to Eddie. He, he left that uh, to me, when he passed. So now I've got that. But um, then Bill Hudson comes back out and Lorinda, and they have they have a final sale at Fort Worth. So we got to do it again. So I thought it was kind of neat to do two sales at the old, old, old original stockyards, which that's there's a ton of history. Can you imagine how many Longhorns have walked over them bricks? <laughs> <laughs> No, so many. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. So let's see if I were, if I, were, did I, is that five? I'll leave one out. Oh, okay. The, um, another highlight was at the legacy. First of all, the legacy sale, getting to sell cows inside the embassy suite hotel. I mean, you really, you think about that in lawsuits and today's times. How freaking cool is that, that we can bring these big horn Texas Longhorn cows inside a hotel and they let us sell. So the year Danica was in there, that's this is when Austin was making his first go round. And now I'm a tight one, he's a big spender. He makes a lot more money than I do. So he said, We need to quit fooling around and buy us a good cow. And I said, I know and she's in this sale. He said, Which one? I said, Danica. So we, we sat out there, and I mean, we really got serious. We were prepared to go to 75000 Now, Molly, you know me pretty good. <laughs> That's a big check for this old cowboy to write. 
That is, that is. <laughs> they blew by us so fast selling Danica. Now, who knew she was going to bring 380000 <laughs> So, But that was a fun sale to get to see Danica sell and, and be inside all the legacies being inside the hotel. That's a good mix, I feel like. A good good mix for the, to make up the five. Yeah. So do you have a favorite cow that you've sold or have been involved with selling over the years? Um, we've sold some so many times that I think they look up there and wink at me when they come back in the <laughs> ring. <laughs> but... Uh, that's a hard, you know, that's a hard question because in the old days, there were some cows that's just as important, but the money wasn't there like it is today. So, and I've kind of forgot some of them, but uh, maybe selling Danica was, was probably my favorite. You, you know, when it started out, do y'all remember what started out? It was 25 people bidding. Then it got down to the Meredith and Mike, and it was back and mm -hmm. forth. And the whole crowd would just go, <laughs> yep. It was it was pretty cool to watch it. Well, and if I remember right, that Mike had just gotten involved in Longhorn, so people weren't a hundred percent on who he really even was at that point. No, nobody even knew who he was. Who's yeah. this guy sitting on the front row that's bidding three hundred thousand dollars on a cow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was the smartest guy in the room, that's who he was. <laughs> <laughs> So what bull's name do you think you've said the most times over the years reading pedigrees? Okay. So I want to be fair. So I'm going to, I'm y'all, I'm going to name three bulls. So let's go back 25 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. That's about the era that things really started changing. And there was a bull named Phenomenon. Jamie, we could breed, we would, we would breed phenomenon to a 50 inch cow and get a 70 inch baby. And you, this would happen consistently. That rascal deserves a, a world of recognition, but most everybody's forgot about him because he's, he's way back there in the pedigrees now. Then comes along Rio Grande. Okay. Now we look at pedigree and Rio's there and we don't even hardly say anything about it, but. If you really want to be serious, you need to say, holy cow, uh, this Rio Grande bull took us from, you know, the 70s to the 90s. You know, he was the, he was the daddy to the first 90-inch cow, B.O. Rio Ketchup. So, you know, he had some pointed butts and, and he had a, a flaw or two, but oh my gosh, did he put the horn on these cattle consistently. So I, I think we've got to give that old Rio scamp and he had a long run. He's two times TLMA Bull of the Year. Um, then along comes Tough. You know, and we're going to probably remember Tough on this video more because he's recent. He's he's still in the in the deal. But those other two bulls were probably highly close to highly regarded as Tough was. You know, in the time. And I'm not. I don't want anybody to get mad at me because I didn't mention their bull or anything. But um, and there's so many bulls you can mention, but there was a big span of phenomenon, then a big span of Rio, and and these bulls, these bulls had a lot of good herds. You know, phenomenon had J. L. Collier raised him. Um, he he bred there for a while, then El Coyote bought him. 
back when JL had him, Betty Land, uh, the rumor was paid 20 grand to lease him one summer. And I don't know if that's true, but Betty was a fantastic breeder and what that bull did for her program was unreal. But those are my three. I changed your question. We'll, we'll let it slide this time. <laughs> what maternal line do you think you've talked about the most? Mm, see, there we go again. In 35 <laughs> years, you know, they, they Jamie, they die. <laughs> and a new one comes along. But in the old, in the old days, when we first started, I think Doherty 698 probably be, will be the cow that we talked about the most. You remember her, Molly? Yep. Oh, Doherty 698? Yep. Um, you don't remember her. You was chasing boys. <laughs> <laughs> so then then in, a, in the middle of my career, a cow named Overland comes along that the Burtons raised. And this cow was magic. You, you could breed this cow to several different bulls. And she she threw those flat corkscrew twisty horns, and all of her all of her offspring were in the seventies. And this is when we didn't have any seventies. This was like in the first era to break into the seventies. So I mean, she they bred her Division Quest and Headliner and all these different bulls, and it was a home run every time. She's a granddaughter to Doherty six ninety eight. How about that? How about um, that? Then, you know, the Monica, you know, then we get in more recent and I think we get into the the Monica lines. Bob raised that Monica cow. Um, she did so well. Bill Real Catch It did so well. She was her first 90-inch cow and she raised all them great sons. And I don't know, there's just been a lot of real good maternal lines. What's the hardest animal name you've ever had to pronounce? The biggest tongue twister. Felix. Half of the ones that Felix names on the old Coyote Ranch. I love you, Felix. You are a true cowboy, but you gave this white boy a hard time pronouncing them names you come up with. <laughs> I feel like if we'd known that, we would have had some ready to quiz you on. Dang it. <laughs> so who's the hardest consigner's name to say? There's so many, Jamie. I just cop out and I call the ranch name. There you go. That's I'll say solid oak longhorns instead of trying to say their name. <laughs> <laughs> so now everyone listening is going to be thinking, did he ever say my name or did he only use permission? <laughs> now keep in mind, when you're up there, you got an auctioneer banging his hand against the deal going, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you're trying to say everything you possibly can say that needs to be said that you promised the consigner you would say in a in a window of this this time span i get it we'll cut you some slack we get it yep. <laughs> y'all should set up there sometime <laughs> well jackson yeah you all have i do i do sometimes yeah yeah we try to avoid it whenever we can to be honest dale <laughs> <laughs> i i understand why i understand why it's pretty intense sometimes but it all works out all right, so putting you on the spot again, if we only let you choose three people for this answer, uh, who do you think writes the best comments to work with in the sale catalogs? Um, now, this is, this is going to be more recent because that's on my mind more than, you know, in the old days. But I'm going to tell Dora. Dora does an outstanding job. 
she will type me up a sheet and it'll have measurements and something about the bull and if this cow's raised anything great or you know the key points i need door thompson always she is spot on wayne manning has rolled in here him and joanna give me have given me ex outstanding comments and richard and Jeannie phillips always do a fabulous job now i have a huge list of who gives me the worst, but we'll keep that <laughs> silent right now. <laughs> I mean, hey, everyone probably knows where you live. They know your phone number. So if you want to put it out there, you go for it. <laughs> I think we should not. Okay. Well, should we cheers to heifer babies here in the middle? Cheers, heifer baby. Take a drink. <laughs> Love what you're hearing? Be sure to check out our pickup truck confessions. It's a video series where we hop in the truck or a rental car and interview a variety of breeders about what drives their passion for their livestock, how they got started in the breed of their choice, marketing tips, and more. And now back to the podcast. All right. So do you have any advice for consigners related to having their sale comments, the information to you prior to the sale, setting reserves or anything? Yeah. Honestly, reserves, you know, I, I know everyone and, the, and a lot of times the auctioneer doesn't know everyone. So they're more comfortable coming to me. But really, the reserves should be between the auctioneer and the consigner. But that's not really how it usually works because like Chase knows everyone and I know everyone and we're kind of going to get involved in that. But if, if you're going to have a reserve, put it on paper, give it to the auctioneer or the pedigree person and and stay put don't don't start sending notes up halfway through the sale that you changed your mind and you lowered it or you raised it or you know if you're going to do that do it pick a figure out and stay with it because it gets real confusing up there when things are happening real fast and stuff so gang think about this when when you're i know we're all busy and we got work and family and life and all this stuff going on and we wait till the last minute to consign us to consign something your picture is your most important thing you can do do not get in your pickup the day of the deadline and run out there and take a picture of your cow <laughs> and email it to the sale you should be taking 20 25 pictures of that cow to pick to get one that's that's worthy of selling her um if it's a mature cow be taking your pictures right now in the summertime when them cows are slick haired and they're pretty you know okay so the legacy's coming around it's going to be in march you don't want to go take a say a cow a picture of your cow in in december when she's all haired up and look like a grizzly bear take that picture now then if you're writing comments you know you don't need to tell them that that she's sweet or she's this or you need to say that her mother's 90 her grandmother's 90. She's had two calves. They've both been fraternity champions. She was seven-time fraternity champion. You give good, solid facts as to why they should buy this cow. She's bred to Bubba. Okay, well, who is Bubba? He's the son of this, of by this, and he measures this, and he won the Horn Showcase. And tell them. Put some time into your comments. Um... I only have a short window. Now, 
the next person in line only has a short window to represent your cow up there. But if this is an online sale, the online buyers are reading that comment. Don't just say, look at my website for more information. That's a cop out. Do your research, put the time into it and say something good about your cow. If you're not proud enough of her to say something, why would I want to buy her? What's your feeling about using your sales comments to relist the pedigree that's right next to or right below the comments? You're, it's just redundant. It's it's They can see the pedigree. So if you say this is a son, a cowboy, or a daughter, a cowboy tough, they're like, yes, we can see that. You know, what, what else? What else is she? Um, maybe say this is a daughter of the longest horn bull in the breed. Maybe someone didn't know cowboy tough was the longest horn bull in the breed. But um, moreover, use that for information that they can't see in the pedigree and that they weren't aware of. And don't leave out your service sire. Your service sire is really important. That calf that's in her belly or that calf at side, that's a year. That's a whole year invested. That That's value there. Tell them about that calf at side or that calf in the belly. What about when folks are giving you advice the day of the sale? Like when they find you and they give you updated comments, what's the best way to present those to a pedigree reader that, you know, they'll get, they'll get the most bang for their buck and, and worth your time. They need to know current horn measurements of the cow you're set with selling, who she's bred to, horn measurements, any great offspring, key, key, key points. Um, tell them if, if, if she's a six-year-old cow and there's nothing, there's no progeny on hired hand, say, well, she's had all bull calves. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But there is something wrong with letting people think that she's never had a calf. Um, these are things you could put in your comments that they could be looking at and reading on because 90% of the time, if someone gives up on her and says, well, she said six bulls in a row, I'm going to sell her. Well, the next one's probably going to be the heifer. <laughs> <laughs> but good, important facts. The same facts, they should be giving the pedigree reader the facts that if you were a buyer, what would you want to know? All right. So tell us a little bit about some of the auctioneers you've been fortunate enough to work with over the years. Uh, well, the master, Mr. Eddie Wood, he was my mentor and got me going. Uh, then I worked with Joe Limley. Then uh, uh, from from then to now, it's it's, it's been Bruce McCarty. Colonel Bruce, and then I got to work with Dan Huntington twice. I think Dan's fun to work with. I just didn't, I didn't get a chance to work with Dan much. So those, those are the four auctioneers that I've worked with. So I'm sure that the majority of our listeners have heard the banter between you and the auctioneer. Some of the stories that we've heard over the years are about the ultrasound having the black and white heifer, um, or the infamous story about you and Bruce going to Dairy Queen. Can you tell us how some of these stories got started or how they came to be? Um, Bruce and of the, all the auctioneers I've worked with, Bruce and Colonel were the best at telling little stories and keeping the crowd happy. And that if gang, if you if you got a tense crowd, they're scared to buy or they're tense or they're not having fun. If you can tell some little story and they're laughing and having fun, they love the event. They're more apt to spend money. They're more apt to come back because they had a good time. 
And Eddie had all them little one-liners he would say. Bruce has a lot of those one-liners. And, and I don't know where... I, I think one time I was we were somewhere and it was really hot. And I said, man, a milkshake would be good. And Bruce hit that and t- started talking about, Dale's wanting to go to Dairy Queen. He's up here trying to read pedigrees. <laughs> From that, it went to... We go to we go to Dairy Queen every week. We're together. We all that, and we've never even been in a car together. <laughs> <laughs> well, that answers a question that I get frequently. People want to know, like, do they actually go to Dairy Queen? I guess now we all know. We actually stopped at Dairy Queen one time and did a little fi- a footage before one of the online sales just for fun. Yeah, we didn't go get a blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! <laughs> I think you bring up a good point, though. I think that a lot of folks, when they go to an event, they think that all of the pressure was on the host, right? So whoever's putting that on, the legacy group or Bill and Lorinda. But there's a huge amount of pressure on you all that are up on that block or even on Jamie and I, like for doing internet bidding. Like there's a huge responsibility that we have to make sure that they they do have a good time at the event or that the event goes well, even though, you know, that's maybe not what we were hired to do, right? Like it wasn't in one of the job descriptions, but it still carries over to that. So um, I don't know. Do you have any more input on, on that and reading pedigrees and how it plays yeah. into that? Well, if you take your job serious, there's a tremendous amount of pressure. I mean, you're responsible for that person's consignment and they paid four or $500 to put the cow in there and then had a vet come out and spend a hundred on health papers. And they've hauled that person, that cow to town and they may have spent a thousand dollars on advertising and, and it's your all's job to broadcast that via the internet and it's my job to represent that cow and it's the auctioneer's job to do the best they can at bringing the top dollar and so there is a there's a lot of pressure in these sales especially when these cows are bringing a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars sure all right so sticking with our questions about your favorites and your best memories uh who are some of your favorite ringmen that you've worked with Oh, worked. You know, the ringmen are really more for the auctioneer, but hands down, um, my favorite ringman and nothing. No, okay, guys, nothing against all you current guys, but my absolute favorite and and the best, the best um, call man is Jim Curry. He would go when when somebody would get in, he'd go, "Whoa!" <laughs> you yep. could hear him and make the. Give, give you goosebumps. Jim was very special. For sure. He's he very honest. He was always fun to watch. He always put on a show. It was yeah. fun. And he made it fun. Mm-hmm. Again, if, if most of these people have full-time jobs and stressful lives and running businesses. I think we should do a cheers to Jim because he's missed. <laughs> Salute, old buddy. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about internet bidding deal. Uh, When did you internet bidding start to play a role with the auctions? And did you have to kind of change how you did things and cater more to folks in the online realm instead of just in person? Yeah, we we had to change, but when when did you all start? Our first sale was uh, Lorinda's sale right after Joe passed. Remember what year that was? Oh. Do you, Jamie, you're better with that? I want to say it was 2016. Does that sound right? 
I think maybe. Maybe. We're yeah. old like you, Dale. We don't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think um, it was long. It, it was it was uh, it was a great tool. And we're going along there and people knew, well, if I can't make the sale, I can get on hired hand uh, and I can still catch this cow or do this. But when I seen, I, in my opinion, what really happened to change Internet bidding to make it as big as it is today is COVID. When COVID hit and nobody was going and we couldn't have the sales and we were all we were all had cabin fever and we wanted to make this happen. John Marshall still had his sale. So we have the John Marshall sale, all 100% video. That might've been the very first, right? The 100% video. And it was the best John Marshall sale we ever had. I mean, everybody attended it because they were probably bored out of their minds because no one could go anywhere. And this, this, like COVID did change a lot of things from working from home or doing this or doing that. But COVID's what changed the internet deal to where it made you all so big. Um, what do I have to do to change? I have to go slower. People's not there to see this cow. So I almost have to do, maybe just describe her a little bit, maybe go over some key points twice, maybe say her measurement twice, maybe say her palpation twice. Because this is, if you expect anybody to give much money, there's a lot happening and all they can see is a video. And so that's, but I, that's where I see the, you you all's business on the video side really took off. Yeah, I think if you're probably you have right. a sale today without you all, you're crazy. <laughs> Jamie, I don't recall. I know you have the better memory. Do you, did we do any video only sales pre COVID? Like any no. that like we do now? I don't think we did, right? No, we didn't because when we all decided to do the Blue Ridge sale. I was so nervous because it was the first one that was going to be essentially without anybody in attendance anywhere. I mean, Bubba had a few people out at the ranch, but I think Dale, I think you and Bruce were, were you both at Dale or at Bruce's? We went to Bruce's office. Yeah. And we were making yeah. mooing sounds just so I'd make it feel like everybody was <laughs> at a cow sale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you though, Dale. I think that was the COVID is what made everyone feel comfortable, more comfortable bidding online. Mm -hmm. I think that's what started it all. I know, Dale, you've had to save us a few times when you talk about having to go slower. Uh, there's been mm -hmm. a few times we've had glitches or or people asking too many questions on one lot where you've had to definitely, uh, despite the auctioneer getting after you, you had to kind of tell a story or or make a joke to buy us a little extra time. And we always appreciate that. So definitely Greer's job. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of the best things, uh, memories and, you know, things that have happened at sales. What is one of the worst things that you've seen happen from the block? Um, we were at a sale. This might've been, everything kind of gets blurry. There's been so many, but um, we might've been at Rick Frederick's. I'm pretty sure we were um, at his sale down at his ranch where, where he built his facility and a cow somehow got up in the ounce in the stand with us, with me and Joel. The, the deal fell down and she hooked, she, or she come underneath us and was hooking and she got up in there with us. And this got, this got Western in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> 
She didn't want to be there, and we didn't want her there. <laughs> did she find her own way out, or did you all she have to help her? Own her? Way out by tearing a bunch of stuff up, and I was about to jump out in the arena, and uh, I think that might have been Joel, and Joel was about to go the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> what about the funniest thing you've ever seen happen from the block? This is easy. Now, this is a little bit uh, PG rated, maybe, but we were at a sale. Uh, this is back in Eddie's day, and we were at a sale in Kentucky. I don't remember where we were at, and they had a, br a, a, a brunch, and it was it was very elegant. It was in one of the facilities where they did a lot of the horse auctions, and they had this beautiful brunch with ice sculptures and champagne and it was it was really really nice. Well, there was a couple of young ladies there that got to partaking in the champagne a little heavy, and I don't know that they ate any breakfast. So so we had breakfast. We did that, and there, you know it's maybe like at ten o'clock, and then at eleven maybe the sale started. So we left the breakfast area, which was right behind the sale ring, and we walked straight to the sale ring. So these two ladies are sitting about three rows up from the from the ring. And after the, one of them that had indulged in the champagne pretty heavy, she was, and they were both, everyone was dressed up in dresses and things like this. Well, after about lot 10, she passes plum, plum out. Her head's hanging over the back of the seat and her legs are, are spread apart, white eagle. And, and Eddie couldn't focus on selling a cow. <laughs> so... And he, he turns to me, you know, he was such a country gentleman, take his hat off to meet a lady. He said, Dale, I can't sell cows and look at that at the same time. He said, so I got on the mic and I said, would one of you ring men shut the gate that's open on aisle 10? <laughs> so they had to go up there and push her legs together and kind of wake her up and get her to lean in a little sideways so she could sleep. <laughs> Yeah. I did not think that's the kind of story it was gonna be now. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we had to be set where we were set. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what were you expecting? <laughs> I don't know, but not though. <laughs> and I feel like we should clarify, like it was a story about two women, not Jamie and I though. No, I don't even know if y'all were born yet. So I think we maybe we've already talked about the next question. Your biggest, what's your biggest pet pet peeve about reading pedigrees? Okay, don't y'all when you're selling your cows, don't wait till five minutes before the sale to go find the pedigree guy. That's I need to use the restroom. Uh, I've been there for three hours for you. Don't don't do that to your pedigree guy, you know. Um, email them, text them, send them the paper, find them an hour beforehand or whatever. But right but before the sale starts is not the good time. But don't text them during the sale because sometimes no. the text <laughs> the text doesn't arrive on time. We don't see it. All sorts of things can happen up there. It is pretty busy up there, right, Jamie? A lot going on to be reading texts and trying to talk on the microphone and. Keep your book straight yes. and everything else. Yes. And and you know those everyone, if you never thought about it, those when we're at a portable facility, 
when we're at the Legacy or we're in the Hudson Valentine sale. That's all just portable. That's all just sitting on top of the ground. So every time a cow kicks or jerks or hits or bumps, our, where we're sitting up there all is just rocking and moving and shaking. So we're trying. I'm, I got all those notes up there I'm trying to hold down. <laughs> yeah. So it, the it's to the bull rider. You, you're used yeah. to that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a little Western up there. <laughs> what do you think that you'll miss most from reading pedigrees? Oh, I'll miss the people. Working with the people and talking to them, and you think you'll be able to stay just as sharp on all the bloodlines? Yeah, I, because I was doing that before I became a pedigree person, just just from passion. Now it's harder to stay up with them now because there's just so many. You know, I mean, there's there's so many new breeders and and so many more breeders, and which is cool, super cool. So what are you looking forward to in retirement? Having a cold beer with my buds at the sale, seeing everybody sitting next to Jennifer, watching the cow sale and knowing that I, it's not my job to sell them. <laughs> so the sales will definitely be a little bit more relaxing for you. Much, much more relaxing. Well, cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. What advice do you have for folks out there who maybe have have a goal to read pedigrees someday? Chase has had some experience, like you mentioned, but maybe there's some little kids out there, you know, kid people that were your age when you started that that yeah, having that, that. It's that's a great it's a great honor to get to do that and study study your lessons because things have to come. Bam! They have to they have to just come to your mind right then. Um, Auctioneers will push you hard because they they're in a hurry and they're high pressure people. So you'll have to be able to talk fast and get your point across fast. But study your pedigrees, listen to the pedigree people on how they do it, and and this breed needs you, young guys and gals. There's nothing wrong with a with a female pedigree reader. We we need these young people to get involved. They're sharper, now their minds are better, and, and we want this young generation to keep going. You remember how Chase got, do you two remember how Chase got started? No. I let him sell my two cows at the Horn Showcase. That's right. Yep. I remember that now. Yep. I knew a consigner would throw a fit if they let some new guy talk about their cows, so I let him sell my two cows. And that was just recently. Wasn't that what the uh, Horn Showcase that was at Will Rogers? Mm -hmm. But that's been... Yeah. You know, it's been before, obviously before he started doing it. So it's been a few years yeah. back. Yeah. But he's doing a great job. All right. Anything else you'd like to share or add? Any parting words for everybody? Mm. I enjoyed representing your cattle. Uh, I try to do my best. And I'll be at this. I'm not going anywhere. Jennifer and I have got 100 head of these things. And we're serious, more serious than we've ever been about raising great ones. And. Not going anywhere. I'm just going to be sitting in the crowd with y'all instead of up there on the block. Well, thank you for everything that you've done for us, too, over the years, Dale. Like, we we can't express how thankful we are to kind of have you take us under your wing and, and make sure that we, you know, you you can be hard on us, but you've always been good to us. <laughs> only time, the only reason I was hard on you because I knew how good you two were. And when you slacked on me, 
it hurt my feelings, <laughs> and I got to, I had to get on you a little bit because you're better. Right. <laughs> you, you all run a first class operation with the greatest online deal and the greatest website any person could ever want for their cattle. You make me, you make me so proud of my cows when I look at the website and see what you all have done. I don't Thank want to you. sell my cows because they look so good on hired hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Dale. That means a lot. Yeah. You bet. So the next Texoma sale will be in Duncan, Oklahoma, the last weekend of April. Perfect. We'll we, be there. We're not going to be in Tulsa. We're going to be in Duncan, and it's going to be game on. Chase is going to be doing pedigrees, and... Bruce is selling it. We're going to have us a big time, big sale. And I'll be out in the crowd with y'all. <laughs> probably, drinking, probably drinking jello shots. It's usually <laughs> what happens at that sale. Time, you can bet I'm going to have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Dale. We, we appreciate your time. You bet. Thank you for having me.